The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only and are not to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about the thyroid gland. It's about time. We should have covered this sooner. You mean sooner than episode 78? Mm-hmm. Okay. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. You like Halloween? Oh, I guess so. You like spooky stuff? No, I don't. You don't like spooks? You don't like no, I like, I like the time of year, though. Oh, I see. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you today? I'm doing great, living my best life. Good to hear it. Glad to hear it. Thanks. Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Genova Diagnostics called The Lab Report, where we talk about functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. Yeah, and if you're new to this podcast here at Genova, welcome. Welcome. And if you're not new and returning, thank you. Mm -hmm. So... By now, I would hope you would have gone to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to this podcast. Maybe rate, review, download, share. I'm pretty sure most of them have at this point. Or but, maybe just a reminder. But if you've done that and then you still have additional feedback, you can email that feedback to podcast at gdx.net and uh, it'll be a good time. Yeah. Wait, do you like Halloween, Michael? Uh, yeah. Like I'm a big things? I'm a big Halloween guy. Um haven't had a chance to like you know really deck out the house and stuff like that. Although I see that in my future. Do you like scary movies? I used to like scary movies uh, until I had kids actually, and then yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't take it anymore. It's too much. It's too real. Like, I don't know. A lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> changed when I had kids about <laughs> me just in general. That's uh, just probably normal. But um, yeah, there you go. I, I don't watch them nearly as often as I used to. Me either. But I'm excited for today because finally we're gonna hit the topic. Of the thyroid for 70 some odd episodes. It's been in the back of our minds, but we haven't yet pulled the trigger. So here we are. It's maybe it's because we actually have our own thyroid dysfunction and because <laughs> some of the symptoms fit. So apparently we're doing some of the research before the episode and it's uh, becomes apparent like, oh, maybe we would have done a thyroid episode sooner had our thyroid actually been functioning and we would mm. have gotten around to it and thought about it. Right. Fair point. Well, what is the thyroid, Michael? The thyroid. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a gland. It's right. a gland. It's a hormone secreting gland. What What's the difference between a gland and an organ? It's an organ too. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, great point. I think all glands are organs, but right. glands secrete things. So the gland is a subcategory of the organ. Yeah. That's uh, specific to, to hormone secretion or just secretion of you know anything. I guess we say a salivary gland. So it does. It's not necessarily hormone right. secretion. It's just things that have secretory functions. Great point. Okay. Well, how would Glad you? De- we cleared that up. I feel much better now. <laughs> well, how would you describe what the thyroid does? I would say that the thyroid is the metabolic regulator. It's the cellular metabolic regulator, and so I think of it as like the thermostat in your body. Sure, 
Um, because, you know, part of the regulation is thermal, it's it, heat control, but it is also so many other things mm-hmm. too. Um, like essentially whatever that particular cell does, it controls the the metabolic rate of that cell's function. So um, I, it's just so critically important. And we talked in prior episodes about how there's that huge symphony of hormones and how they all work in concert and can affect each other. So the thyroid and the hormones which it secretes are part of that as well. And the thyroid hormones then turn around and have a major effect on the metabolism of other hormones too, whether it's cortisol, sex mm-hmm. hormones. So it's uh, it's so hugely important. Okay, so let's talk <laughs> about the symptoms that might make you suspicious that someone has thyroid dysfunction. You want to start there? Start yeah. with symptoms? It's a good place to start because you got yeah. this patient walking in your door. You normally right? start with symptoms, right? What am I looking for? Yeah. So uh, what's the first thing that you think of? Actually, this is kind of an interesting game. What is the Hmm. first thyroid, like, oh my gosh, that's thyroid? Well, it's tough because some of these symptoms are very subjective and very subtle. Mm. But I always look at the eyes. Interesting. Because you think an overactive thyroid have those big bulging eyes and an underactive thyroid, they're kind of just like puffy and yeah, periorbital edema. Interesting. Okay. I start with the eyes, but what do you think of? I think that says a lot about your personality, too. I think you, you, you draw a lot of information from looking at somebody's eyes. I do. So that's interesting. For me, I think uh, probably cold intolerance. Cold intolerance or heat intolerance. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's thermally dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, that, those are classic thyroid issues, either hypo or hypo hyperthyroid issues. Yeah, the other things I think about are the hair and the nails. Right. Sure. So hair loss or brittle nails are often associated with underactive thyroid. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think about weight. Weight gain. Yeah. Weight gain for hypo. Unexplained weight gain. Yeah, or unexplained weight loss for hyperthyroidism. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's smart to mostly focus on hypothyroid symptoms uh, because, I mean, they are so different, hypo and hyperthyroid, that right. from a symptomatic presentation, they're almost polar opposites in a lot of ways. But we see so much more hypothyroid in our functional True. medicine practices as compared to hyperthyroid. So mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to spend a little bit more time on that. Um, yeah. I mean, with hyper, <laughs> that makes sense. Let me, with hyper, there's things that obvious. show up there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You yeah. get, you know, palpitations and, and somebody who, and anxiety and, and things like that, that almost look like, you know, an adrenaline rush for somebody. So yeah, like their thermostat got turned all the way up. And so if we're going to focus on hypothyroidism today, we're looking at dry, brittle nails, weight gain, constipation, lethargy, fatigue. Here's an easy sign. Go ahead. Somebody's got an enlarged thyroid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a sign that there's a some sort of thyroid dysfunction going on. Right. So It's in the neck, so it's a, a big swelling in the front of your neck. Yeah, and uh, don't forget about your physical exam, right? Mm-hmm. A little plug for the physical exam. <laughs> Always needs a little plug these days. That's so true, isn't it? I mean, there's a few other things about hypothyroid that I think about uh, from a presentation standpoint. Because it's this metabolic indicator, it's like somebody has turned the dial down, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's people that have slower rate of speech. Maybe they move a little bit slower. um, And they might have things even like from a low libido, like depression. You know, it's almost like these, these symptoms fit this picture of... The, the dial just being turned down. Yeah, there's actually a scoring index that they use called the Billowitz Index for hypothyroidism. It's kind of help stratify your patient to see how suspicious you are about hypothyroidism. Yeah. What's on that list? Well, it's all these things we've just been discussing, like diminished sweating, dry skin, cold intolerance, weight, constipation, hoarseness, things like that. Slow movement, as you just pointed out, periorbital puffiness, 
heart rate, your heart rate can slow down. So these are the things they use and they give a scoring system to kind of help gauge your suspicion for hypothyroidism. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, it's a really great constellation of symptoms that we need to be aware of because I think this goes either missed a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's becoming more and more common for clinicians to evaluate TSH, but TSH is not the end all be all of thyroid evaluation. And sometimes mm -hmm. with a normal TH, you can, you can miss some of the issues too. And we'll, we'll get a little bit into that, but I th just think it's really important to be aware of, uh, thyroid dysfunction and how common it is. Mm -hmm. And since we're talking about that, we're, we're mentioning TSH and we're going to be talking about T3, T4. Why don't we just get into the actual mechanism of how this thyroid hormone cascade works? So we think about the signaling, right? Your hypothalamus secretes TRH. Yeah, thyrotropin releasing hormone. And it does so uh, because the hypothalamus is your master regulator, right? Mm -hmm. It's constantly sampling everything that's coming through and it's evaluating, okay, what's the what's the T3 level? What's the TSH level? Are these adequate? Are they within range? And then it adjusts the secretion of TRH in response to that. Right. Then TRH then signals to the pituitary to release TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone. Right. And so, you know, just to kind of reiterate that TRH from the hypothalamus goes to the pituitary and then the pituitary releases TSH, which is essentially saying, hey, thyroid gland, <laughs> start doing your job. You need to make more thyroid hormone. Right. And then the thyroid gland itself can secrete two different types of thyroid hormones or something we call T3, uh -huh. which is triiodothyronine or T4, which is thyroxine. Exactly. Yeah. And so here it becomes important to make the distinction biologically, physiologically between T3 and T4, right? Mm -hmm. Because T4 is essentially biologically inert. It's inactive. It's, it does not cause metabolic changes on a cellular level as compared to T3, which is your active hormone. It's what we think of as being the hormone that is responsible for the, the all those cellular changes that we associate with thyroid function. So T4 needs to be converted to T3 peripherally in order to become its metabolically active form, yeah. but not all of it gets converted to T3. No, it doesn't. And there's a huge amount of T4 as compared to T3 circulating in the system. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's by design, right? Because T3 is so metabolically active, you have to have a lot of checks and balances around it so that the body can have the capacity to make T3 as needed mm -hmm. on demand, right? And so you have kind of this inactive form that you can you know, s source from to make T3. And then there's a separate kind of checks and balances where T4 can then be turned into reverse T3. Wow. It's dramatic. It's really dramatic. The problem is that reverse T3 is also inert. It can bind to these receptor sites and then not, not make any metabolic change. Right. And so it's kind of a way that the, the body and the system can say, hey, I know we've got this T4 on board. We, we don't need it right now. And so we're going to convert it into this uh, essentially inert metabolite that can then be disposed and get, be get gotten rid of. But while it's there, it can muck up the works. It kind of binds to receptors and kind of mucks up the ability of the actual T3 to get to where it needs to be metabolically. Yeah, so this is one of the interesting things because even if your TSH is normal, even if your free T3 is normal, and we'll talk about free versus not free in, in a second, but uh, all those things can look normal and somebody can still be having signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism right. because they have elevated reverse T3. <laughs> 
which is essentially competing. It's an ad antagonist with with regular T3, and so you're you're having the same metabolic issues as if you had a low free T3, even though your other levels are normal. Right. Yeah. So let's do quick recap. Go right? for it. So hypothalamus secretes TRH, goes to the pituitary, which then secretes TSH, goes to the thyroid gland, and upon sensing TSH, it then starts making T4 and T3, T4 at a much higher concentration, which is the inactive form, and T3. Those actually end up in circulation mostly being bound to binding proteins. And so that's one of the reasons why we think about measuring free T3 and free T4 because that's going to tell us about what's actually available to uh, to the cell. But regardless, the thyroid makes T4, T3 that gets bound up. And then at in the periphery, the T4 is also converted to T3 as needed. So it can alter the concentrations of T3. And then T4 can also, as needed, be converted into reverse T3, which is then competing with free T3. Well, you know what's important to note here, Michael? Yeah. Each one of those steps in the process you just so succinctly and wonderfully outlined, each one of those steps has factors that can influence each step. And that's, so when you're, you're assessing... It's about to get complicated. Right. When you're assessing someone's thyroid status, we're going to talk about what affects each step and what to think about there. Oh my gosh, my brain's, we're going to have Get some, ready. some slowed brain. That's right. Earlier in this episode, we talked about how all of the hormones work in concert, right? Yeah. They all affect each other. And back when we did the HPA axis episode, if you want to review there, we mentioned this pyramid where the adrenals and HPA axis are at the base of the pyramid, then thyroid was in the middle, mm -hmm. and then the tip of that pyramid was the sex hormone. So if we're going through these steps of this metabolism that you outlined so succinctly, Michael, we start at the top in the brain with TRH and TSH. And uh -huh. what's interesting is that stress, oh. the stress response in the HPA axis dysfunction. Here we go again. Right. CRH, corticotropin-releasing hormone, interferes and inhibits both TRH and TSH. So stress right off the bat. It's causing an impact on how well your thyroid is functioning, or at least how well your thyroid's mm -hmm. being signaling. And not only that, cortisol in and Ooh. of itself also has an impact in suppressing TSH and suppresses the conversion of T4 to T3. So all up and down the HPA axis, you've got metabolic activity on the thyroid and as far as feedback goes. And, and for the most part, we're causing suppression of thyroid function. So in any patient in whom thyroid disease is suspected, really get control of that HPA axis response. Easier said than done. I mean... It's true, but it's so on. profound. Profound, huh? Kind of mm -hmm. like... like that kind of profound? You just wanted to use the gong. Admit it. I've been trying to work that in. You just did. All right, so moving down from TRH and TSH, let's actually talk about what happens in the thyroid gland itself. Okay. Because you mentioned that the thyroid gland makes T4 and T3, and so there are some specific things, nutrients, that contribute to the proper production of thyroid hormones. Important nutrients, yeah. Yeah, things like iron and iodine. Zinc, selenium. Yeah. We've talked about that before. Yeah. So iodine, think about this, you know, in the name itself of the thyroid hormones, mm -hmm. it includes the word iodine, at least with respect to T3, triiodothyronine. That's right. Yeah. So that's essentially saying three iodines. And that's an important thing that the thyroid is doing in the creation is, is it's 
requires iodine. So, so we need, yeah, we need those really nutrients. Important. But we also need those other cofactors like selenium and tyrosine, which is an amino acid that's a precursor to make this. Yeah. There are specific vitamins that are also needed like vitamin E, B2, B3, B6, C, and D. So there's a lot of nutrients that need to be available in order for your thyroid gland to even make T4 and T3. And just an extra plug for selenium. It's just hugely important mm. in the thyroid gland because it's involved in the enzymes. It's used as a substrate in the enzymes that convert T4 to T3. So selenium is super important. Right. Well, what are some of the things that might get in the way? What are the things that inhibit the proper production of thyroid hormones in the thyroid gland? Okay, there's several things that can inhibit the proper production of thyroid hormones, things like toxins, fluoride, pesticides, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, but the biggest thing okay. is autoimmune disease, and particularly thyroid autoimmune disease, one of the most common causes of hypothyroid, which is Hashimoto's, right? Or Hashimoto's disease or Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Um, and this is an autoimmune condition that destroys the... Uh, the, the parts of the thyroid that are responsible for producing thyroid hormones. And because it's so common for hypothyroidism to be uh, due to autoimmune Hashimoto's, mm -hmm. a very thorough evaluation of thyroid should include two autoantibodies, right? Right. So one of them is antithyroglobulin or anti-TG antibodies. And these are your body just making antibodies against its own thyroglobulin, which is the precursor to make the thyroid hormone. Right. And the other autoantibody that should be evaluated is anti-TPO, anti-thyroid peroxidase, mm -hmm. which is an enzyme that actually is responsible for the combination of tyrosine and iodine. And so it helps to create thyroid hormones. So now you've got an antibody that's attacking that enzyme, which is going to further cause problems in the creation of thyroid hormones. Okay. So that brings us to what's downstream. Then the thyroid gland makes T4 which then needs to be converted to T3 peripherally. What are some of the factors that might help and increase the conversion of T4 to T3? What are the things that are needed for that to happen? Well, as we mentioned before, this is the deiodinase enzymes, right? Mm -hmm. And so those require, from the conversion to T4 to T3... Removing one iodine. Right. So these enzymes that do that step, they uh, have selenium built into their, their enzymatic structure. So selenium becomes hugely important for those enzymes to function properly. Cool. And there are other things that get in the way of this conversion from T4 to T3 and push the T4 to become reverse T3. And earlier you talked about stress and cortisol as really getting in the way of converting T4 to T3. So again, stress comes into play. Sure. Cortisol. Yeah. Another thing that increases that conversion is a longstanding low calorie diet. Hmm. You know, so that's one thing that when we talk about changing the metabolic activity, we can actually be changing it by this conversion of T4 into reverse T3. And of course, all of the others that that come into play usually are things like toxins, um, infections, other things can get in the way of the conversion of T4 to T3 and push it to reverse inert T3. Okay, well, I think we've explored the physiology mm -hmm. and the regulatory aspects of this hormonal cascade pretty well. Um, there's a lot to keep in mind there. There right? is. There's a lot is. to keep in mind. And yeah. I think that all becomes really helpful when we're talking about hypothyroid evaluation or just thyroid evaluation in general. And so as we move from that topic to thyroid evaluation and lab testing, mm -hmm. we need to really evaluate all those steps, right? Yeah, so you see why just running a quote-unquote TSH 
is not nearly enough. It's such a small piece of this puzzle that you're yeah. really missing the bigger picture here. Yeah. Yeah. You need to do more of a functional thyroid panel. And so let's just kind of go through the list. Let's talk about what you would want on a, a real thorough thyroid panel. Yeah. So we think, okay, TSH, yes. Yes. We also think about free T3, like you said, that's the active form peripherally. Yeah. Because you want to know exactly how much is available to the cell for that's how much of that T3 is usable. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get when we do free T3 and free T4, uh, essentially is how much is available for conversion. Right. And a really comprehensive evaluation or a functional lab that you would choose often will include reverse T3 as well, because Very as important. we said, right. you can have hypothyroid symptoms and a normal free T3 level. And it's because a lot of it's being shunted to this reverse T3, which is taking all those receptor sites. Yeah, absolutely. And then lastly, uh, to include those autoantibodies, uh, such as anti-TPO um, and anti-TG, anti-thyroglobulin, those are going to be important for a standpoint of is there autoimmune dysfunction that's causing some of the, the the issues that we're seeing? Okay, so let me bring up one other topic here, Michael. Okay. So when you do conventional labs, if you go to LabCorp and you get a TSH, yeah. there is a very specific reference range that conventional medicine uses as quote unquote normal. Yeah. Whereas in functional medicine, we know that there's a difference between the normal reference range and what's optimal, uh -huh. and so. There's a, con a, a feeling out there in the functional medicine space that the conventional reference range for TSH is way too wide. The TSH reference range is definitely something that has been the subject of much debate over mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I think about it, the classic traditional conventional reference range for TSH was something like 0.4 to 5. That's and pretty wide. It's pretty wide. And Actually, I think that had even come down um, to a certain extent uh, from what it previously was. But that being said, optimal is oftentimes thought of as 0.4 to 2.5. Uh, so basically half that. And so and that's that is even the subject of a lot of fervent debate as well, where some people will say, no, 2.5 is not optimal. Mm -hmm. 2.5 for a TSH is you're running the risk of uh, hypothyroidism. And we want to get that closer to like below two, below 1.5, things like that. So there, you know, depending on what who you're talking to, you're going to get a different opinion about mm -hmm. what optimal TSH is. Yeah, there's a lot of debate. But just understand that conventional reference ranges are different than that which is accepted in the functional medicine space. They're a little bit tighter ranges in functional medicine. Do you have an opinion? Where would you want to see somebody's TSH? I actually do have an opinion. I think the tighter reference range is makes more sense because if someone has a TSH at 4.5 and we're saying conventionally oh, yeah. that's normal, yeah. it's kind of what's called subclinical hypothyroidism where sure. even though your labs are normal, you're actually manifesting metabolic symptoms. And yeah. so from my perspective, if you keep that reference range all the way up to that high of amount 4.5, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to fit in there, and it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I think of it as like, are you evaluating fasting insulin as part of your metabolic mm -hmm. dysfunction evaluations, right? That right. That's going to give right. you so much more information. Um, I will tell you that if somebody's got a TSH of a 2.5 mm -hmm. or hovering around there, I'm at least starting them on some sort of botanical nutraceutical agents to assist. I, you know, I'm not necessarily starting them on thyroid hormone at that time, but I'm, I'm definitely starting to, from a functional perspective, uh, consider 
things that will help just assist in, in, you know, maybe some selenium, things like that to assist in thyroid function. Yeah. Some, some people also use functional nutritional tests in the evaluation of thyroid disease because of all the nutritional cofactors and all the nutrients needed. So something like the NutraVal, the Metabolomics Plus, these are tests that might help you check some of those levels of iron and selenium and zinc or at least a functional need for them. Yeah. Yeah, and so here at Genova, we got you covered, right? We've mm-hmm. got the comprehensive thyroid assessment, which is going to give you all those analytes that we just discussed. It's going to tell you, you know, what's going on, wh- where in the pathway of hormone synthesis is there a, a problem, an issue. And then we've also got nutritional testing, uh, micronutrient testing that can give you some insight into any of the nutritional insufficiencies that might be contributing to thyroid dysfunction. But we also have the adrenal cortex stress profile, which will give you insight into your cortisol and HPA HPA axis response. Good one. So, Patty, in a second, we've got to do question of the day. I'm just giving you, this is a little bit of your warning. But um, we'll say that from a therapy standpoint and treatment standpoint, uh, it would be worth spending one or two minutes (laughs) talking about that. So um, the stress management, the cortisol aspect, we, we talked about how the adrenal gland is at the base of the pyramid. Um, and really we can replace adrenal gland with maybe talking about HPA axis function is at the base of that pyramid. So addressing that from a therapeutic intervention standpoint is huge Mm -hmm. when it comes to managing thyroid. Um, there's the nutritional aspects to make sure that there's no rate limiters there from a nutrition standpoint. So those are good interventions. Mm -hmm. What are some other good interventions? There's also evaluation for toxins because we said toxins can in- interfere in a lot of those different steps. Yeah. Infection, looking for occult infection. And then once you've done all of these functional medicine um, things, looking for the root cause, at the end you can always go to replacement therapy, which is its own podcast in and of itself. Yeah. And thyroid we'll, replacement. We'll maybe get somebody on it and talk a little bit about uh, some of the different opinions around thyroid hormone replacement. I will say one more thing too, from a root cause standpoint, Okay. because we talked about Hashimoto's and autoimmune. There is a lot of research out there showing connections between uh, gluten sensitivity and celiac disease mm-hmm. and Hashimoto thyroiditis. So that is one thing to keep in mind. You know, anytime I see those autoantibodies on the higher side, I think it warrants a conversation about considering either an evaluation for celiac or and or a gluten free diet. I would be remiss if I didn't say that. And then even a step further, evaluation for intestinal permeability. Sure. Absolutely. Great point. So much you can do there. All right, let's just get to it. Let's just without any further yapping. Let's just (laughs) Okay. Let's just do this. All right. It's growing on on you? It is. Well, let's get to the question of the day, sir. Okay. Well, we talked in this episode about reverse T3 and how it's inert and blocks the receptors and gets in the way of the metabolically active T3 itself. Kind of what's responsible for sick euthyroid, right? The question is, if you have a high reverse T3, what do you do about it? Well, I kind of think of, remember when we went back to the hormones and estrogen detoxification and I was like turn down the hot and turn up the cold. Oh, yeah. How can I forget another famous Michael Chapman metaphor? (laughs) (laughs) I think about a similar sort of thing. So you want to decrease the things that lead to reverse T3 production. Okay. And you want to increase the things that suppress 
uh, reverse T3 conversion. Hmm. So that's going to be what I'm thinking about. So you think about all the factors that lead to increased reverse T3, mm-hmm. like a big one there being stress. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like yo-yo dieting, like cal- chronic calorie restriction is another thing that we could think about that leads to uh, higher reverse T3. So we can talk about the metabolic effects of that. Um, okay. And then on the flip side, if you're talking about decreasing or suppressing the conversion to reverse T3, uh, things like exercise and vitamin Mm. A are two big ones that I think about that are going to help suppress reverse T3 production and and really shift that balance. Um, Other things like inflammation and toxins, which also, as as we talked about before, leads to increased reverse T3, you know, evaluation for those things. Um, And uh, yeah, that's those would be the ways to sort of decrease reverse T3 and increase uh, free T3. You're so smart. <laughs> Next time on The Lab Report, we interview Dr. Mike T. Nelson. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal, actually. Yeah, and I noticed that you keep booking these coaches, these fitness coaches. Mm, take the hint. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. In the question of the day answer, you use the words yo-yo dieting. Yeah, you picked up on that one. I just slid that in there. (laughs) I think of yo-yo ma. You do? Yeah. You don't think of like... Yo-yo dieting. <laughs> I think of that too. <laughs> Do you have a yo-yo or have you, did you as a kid? Have a oh yo-yo? yeah, I was, I, was, I was a kid who brought like the yo-yo to school. Wow, you were one of them? I was. Do you have I, a yo-yo now? Yeah, I've got kids. We've got yo-yos. They're probably like littered all over the house somewhere. Half of them are probably like in my air conditioning vents. But don't the, like the strings get all garbled up? I, I mean, it's just, how is that different from anything else than any great of the other toys point. in my house right now? Yo-yo. Bring the yo-yo to work.